0: Good to see you guys. It's been it's been a while since I've been here. Um, AJ and Mike contacted me and they said, we need a guest speaker. And I said, let's go. Let's do it. So I brought my whole family down. I've, I've, I've taught here before and I've shared with you guys that I have triplet daughters and then my wife. So I brought her and my mother-in-law as well and my triplet daughters. So if you see them running around, that's them. You'll see them after. But yes, I'm very excited to be here with you guys today in Twin Falls. It snowed. They didn't think a California boy could make it to church when the snow. I made it. It's hilarious. We woke up, it was all white. We're like, oh no, here we go. Here we go. It was fun though. I was trying to do donuts and stuff, but um, all right. So I'm going to get into the message today. Last time I was with you, um, I, uh, I've been teaching out of the Gospel of John with you guys. And the last time I was here, I taught out of uh, John chapter 12. It was called The Light That Leads to Life. Now today, I'm going to be teaching out of John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles or you have your Bible app, if you want to turn there, if you want to take notes. Um, I love teaching just verse by verse through the Bible and giving it um, life application. Because as I tour all around the world, um, I like to create content that shows how real the Bible is, even though it was written long ago, how relevant and powerful it is today, and how we can apply these biblical lessons to life application. That's why when I wrote my book, Kill the Noise... um, it's it's bible teaching and life application it's a it's a faith building tool um i actually brought some books here as well if you guys want to pick some up but it's a it's it's for all ages no matter where you're at in your christian walk um i just want to show the word of god and the reality of how true it is and how you can apply these lessons to our daily life as being a husband or a, a mother or um you know a work, you know, worker or, or even a, a boss in the workplace, um, we need to live for Christ and these lessons are, are for here, are here for us. So the first 12 chapters of the Gospel of John cover the first three years of Jesus' public ministry and now Jesus' public ministry is over. Chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 and 17 and part of 18 cover the last night when Jesus will be sentenced and crucified under Pontius Pilate. According to God's plan, Jesus was to be crucified on the Passover and the Old Testament holidays, new moons, Sabbath days were all foreshadowing of things to come. Let me put this water down here. They were all of things to come. Everything points to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who delivers us from spiritual death and brings us into eternal life. Everything points to Jesus, the Lamb of God. The night before Jesus and the disciples were celebrating an annual Passover, remember, uh, the night before Jesus and the disciples were celebrating the annual Passover meal, remembering the deliverance of the Jewish people from the Egyptians in slavery. And now we call this night the Last Supper. Jesus made the elements of bread and wine symbolic to the first Passover meal back in Exodus 12. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20 is like a little snapshot of the Last Supper with Jesus. I'm going to read it verse 19. It says, He took, which is Jesus... He took the bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke the pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of what? When his body was broken on the cross. Then he went on to say in verse 20, it says... After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, "This cup is the new covenant between God and His people, an arrangement confirmed with my blood, which was poured out as a sacrifice for you." The but when we take when we take the offering or not the offering when we take the um uh, the communion the bread represents his body being broken and hung on the cross and then with the blood that was shed the when we drink the grape juice represents the blood the new covenant. With Jesus Now looking at John chapter t- 13 verses 1 to 2, the story changes from before the Passover meal to after dinner. So now the Passover is here and the hour has come. I'm now picking up in John chapter 13 verse 1. My message today is called heading to the cross why because right now jesus is at the end of his public ministry and all he sees is the cross the cross the cross if you like to shoot guns you put your front sight on that target and right now jesus his target is the cross that's where he's looking so he's heading to the cross john chapter 13 verse 1 says this before the passover celebration Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says several times, My hour has not yet come. It is the hour of the cross that he's speaking of. But now the hour has come, and it's time for him to head to the cross, to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, the most important event of mankind John 3:16 and 17 says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which is Jesus Christ, that whosoever from bums the presidents that would believe by faith in him and what he did on the cross would have everlasting life. And John 3, 17 says, God didn't send Jesus into the world to uh, condemn the world or to judge the world, but he came to save the world. So right now, Jesus is not judging you. He wants to save you wherever you're at in your life. Now, Jesus will die and raise from the dead and to send back to the Father God who sent him on this rescue mission to the world for you and for me. Continuing in John chapter 13 verse 2, it says this, it was time for dinner and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return back to God. Remember in Matthew 2818, Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Here's a little uh, snapshot of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 1. Speaks of Jesus' authority over everything in heaven and on earth. It says this, in the beginning, the word existed. We have that other verse that says, in the beginning, the word already existed, right? So we know that the word became flesh, right? So Jesus Christ is the word, and he became flesh. So the word was in heaven, which is Jesus, and he became flesh. So now it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. So in the beginning, Jesus already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never extinguish it. Now let's put Jesus' name in there. In the beginning was Jesus, or or in the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus existed uh, in the beginning with God, and Jesus created everything through him. Uh, God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and Jesus' life brought light to everyone, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish it. So now knowing the deity of Jesus Christ, he is the one true God in human form all-powerful. And since Father God gave him all power in heaven and on earth, Jesus knew that Judas was about to put a hit on him for 30 pieces of silver that he probably took the money out of the ministry account. But what is putting a hit out on someone? It's a contract with a killer to have someone murdered. Sadly, it was the corrupt religious leaders, and Judas, one of the disciples, making this sketchy transaction on Jesus. Jesus, knowing all things, could have just looked at Judas and said, drop dead and called fire down from heaven and turned him into a, basically a piece of toast. Do you remember when they came to arrest Elijah and he called fire down from heaven and he, he like, he killed several people with God brought fire down from heaven? Or remember when Jesus was gonna go into the Samaritan village and the Samaritans and the Jews, they were like the crypto Bloods in the 80s. They, they had their own like areas. They didn't like each other because they were like half-breeds. So they didn't, they, they didn't, they, they were like war with each other. They didn't like each other. So Jesus, a Jew and his disciples, Jews, were going to go into the Samaritan village and the Samaritan the Samaritans were like, no way you get out of here. We don't want nothing to do with you. And then James and John go, Jesus, call a fire down from heaven. Just light them up, burn them, turn them into toast. And then Jesus at that point, cause he's a hundred percent man, hundred percent God. And he has a personality. He looks over at James and John and gives them nicknames. Hey. Chill out, sons of thunder. Nuclear boys, you want to burn up the whole city? He's like, you know, remember Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. So he nicknamed the nuclear boys the sons of thunder. So he didn't turn them into, uh, into fire. But Jesus, but Jesus didn't do that. He allowed Judas to carry out his plan of attack. And Jesus sticks to God's eternal plan and purpose for mankind. Not His will be done, but thy will be done as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. Always in submission to the Father God. Jesus is always in submission to Father God, no matter what the circumstances. Why? Because it was God's will that Jesus must head to the cross and die for the sins of the world and raise from the dead. But I have a question for you. Our, and me, I would say. I never like to point the fingers because we're <laughs> we're all equal, though it's better than anyone is we're gonna get to this in this study. But I have a question for us. Are we always in full submission to God's word and his plans no matter what our life circumstances? Are we saying not my will, thy will be done? Are we saying not thy will be done, but my will be done? Or are we trying to help God out and take matters into our own hands to ease the pain? To create a better situation or an outcome in our life. And we're not allowing God to work in our life, but we try to take matters in our hands to make, to to ease the pain in our life. Which we know that only disrupts what God is trying to accomplish in our lives. We know in Matthew 16 24, Jesus says, If you want to be my disciple, you got to turn from your selfish ways. You need to pick up your cross and follow me. And then Luke, it says daily. It also says, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Is there anything worth more than his soul? So that's pretty hardcore, right? So I'm going to give you some good news here. Romans 8, 28. One of the classic verses that everyone can quote. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, this isn't just for anyone. Oh, everything's working a good For all, everything works together for good for me. If if you say, oh, I love God, but if you don't obey God, this is talking about someone that is in full submission to God. That is, it's happening according to God's will. That means you're in God's will. You have a relationship with God. So if you have a relationship with God and you call yourself a Christian and you're obeying the best you can, we're not perfect, right? We're, we're all sinners saved by grace. But if you have a relationship with them and your heart is right and you're going after God, this verse is for you today. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So for those of you who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So now back to the dinner scene With Jesus uh, Now back to the dinner scene What does Jesus do with all this power That has been given to him I'm going to take a little drink here for you on the radio listening Drinking some good water um, So now back to the dinner scene What does Jesus do With all this power that has been given to him What power Well let's look back at three years of Jesus' public ministry uh, He basically He um, he comes on a rescue mission out of eternity. He's 100% man, 100% God. Around his 30s, he gets called to, to start his public ministry. He calls the disciples, this motley crew of men that are very relatable, the blue-collar guys. Turns water into wine, goes in, tears up the temple, starts kicking over the money changers, chasing all the men and, and animals out because they were begging for money and ta- taxing the, the people and making it hard for the 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 common person or the poor people to get to God. They were taxing them all the temple tax and stuff. Jesus had righteous anger and destroyed that the religious system. The religious leaders were like, who is this guy? We're, you know, we got to get rid of him. Then he started going around preaching the word of God. You know, casting out demons, raising the dead, uh, opening the eyes of the blind restoring the band with a withered arm. The woman that was bleeding for 12 years, no doctor, no medicine could fix her, heals her her, and basically goes around and showing what it was to have a true relationship with God and not dead religion. That power is what I'm talking about. Then he died and he raised from the dead by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, told the storms to stop, walked on water. Who does that? Only the son of God. That's the power I'm talking about. So what does he do with all that power? He decides to use this, use this most, uh, he decided to use this moment to teach and prepare the disciples for ministry after his death and resurrection. So instead of turning Judas into a piece of toast and frying him and saying, Okay, I'm not going to die on the cross. I'm getting rid of this guy. He uses this moment to pour into the disciples to get them ready for their great commission. They are about to be used as powerful instrument for God's glory. In John chapter 13, verse 4, continuing, it says this. So Jesus got it from the table. Took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, and he poured water into the basin, then he began to wash the disciples feet, drying them with the towel that he had around his waist. So back in those days when they would do dinner, um, they would have like, say that you would have like a, like carpet down or a rug and they would have all the hummus and the pita breads in the middle. And then they would lay on their sides and one arm on these really low pillows or whatever. So they'd be kind of laying around this, this, this table. It wasn't like they were sitting up, you know, like the, the last supper, like that kind of, meal. they'd be laying around, uh, on next to each other on, on their sides. And Jesus gets up from the table, gets a basin of water And then he ends up girding himself. So the way they would gird themselves, because they had robes back then, when they would farm or when they would go to war, they would basically tie up, the way they would tie up their robe is they could maneuver more. So he ties up his robe, he puts a towel, towel around his waist, and he starts going around cleaning the disciples' feet. Now, I'm totally grossed out by this scene because I got a thing with feet. Like I don't like adult feet like touching me, Um, it just grosses me out. My dad's from Mexico City. We call this thing they call the ascos. You know, it's like a it's like a Mexican term of like you're kind of like disgusted by feet. Now, think about how sketchy this is with Jesus cleaning these feet. Okay, so. Now, we read in the Bible that it said that Jesus went from town to town and village to village. They weren't on horse and buggy, they weren't in cars. So they had sandals, and I've been to Israel probably like 20-something times, and they were by the Sea of Galilee, which was the Sea of the Gentiles, where they spent most of their time. Now, this was, the, these were like just little villages. So they were walking around, not on roads, through dirt roads, rocks, climbing mountains and, and hills and all this stuff. And, and even on the roads that did exist, they were really jam- Stinky rocks. Like if you go there, they, they, they discovered roads from Jesus' time. and These weren't even like nice cobblestone streets. These were really bad, rocky uh, roads. And you have animals uh, traveling back and forth. You have people traveling back and forth. So you have animal poop. You're cutting your feet. You know, you those sketchy toenails you can Google and see. People have like those bad toenails. You know, stinky, sweaty, no shower, grimy, filthy feet. So here's Jesus cleaning the disciples stinky feet and back in those days this was the job of the lower level house servants and slaves so here's Jesus the Messiah the King of Kings the Lord of Lords all powerful the God of the universe that created all things showing the disciples how to be a servant of all not just saying not not just saying it but actually doing it and leading by example he became a servant to Judas the one who would betray him to death. We have that verse in uh, James chapter one, verse 22. It says this, don't just be hearers of the word of God, but be doers of the word of God. So here we see Jesus doing the word of God. We need to read and study the Bible and apply these lessons of truth to our life daily mark nine chapter thirty uh, mark chapter nine thirty five here 's another little side snapshot from the Gospels of Jesus teaching the disciples It said that Jesus sat down with him and called the twelve disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and the, and be the servant of everyone else so even though the movie Teledega Nights have you seen that it, that that says if you 're not last if you 're not first you 're last well The teaching of Jesus, the Messiah, is quite the opposite. We need to be last to become first. So Jesus is teaching us. It doesn't matter what status or career or how rich and powerful you are or how you think you are in your head. And if you're in ministry, it doesn't matter how anointed you are or what position you have in the church or how God chooses to use you in ministry through the teaching and the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We must always walk with humility and serve. We are no better than anyone else. Romans 2, Romans chapter 2, 11 says, God does not show favorites. He doesn't show favorites. Everyone is equal. I have a funny story. I was, um, doing an interview at this big Christian, uh, uh, Christian TV network, probably the biggest one in the United States. And I was backstage. I was actually with, I think I was with my wife. And we walked in this backstage and, uh, these other, these other, like this, uh, these other guys come in. They're like from like a Mexican ministry. They come in. And 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 the one guy's walking with this really really nice suit, and then he has these two two guys next to him, and they're holding his bag and his coat. They look like servants, and they're all walking around. And they looked at me, and they were like kind of. They weren't they weren't even talking to me, right? Because they, they, this guy like walked in like he was a king, basically, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, I see, right? And then the girl comes in. And she goes, oh hey Ryan, I want to introduce you to this is Pastor So-and-so from this, from this church with his two like slaves next to him, right? Carrying his bags and stuff. And, and my dad, if you guys don't know, my, my dad's, he's a, he's a large pastor in LA. He's, 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 he has very, he does a very big ministry down in, in Los Angeles. And the guy, the girl looks at the pastor and goes, oh, this is uh, Ryan Reese, Ral Reese's son. And he's like, oh. Nice to meet you. Yes, I didn't know that. And it's like, he totally changed. He totally changed the way all of a sudden he was all interested in meeting me. God shows no favorites. And if you're in a church, well you're probably not in a church, you're here, right? If you're around a church and you have a pastor having people carrying his stuff around and he's walking around like a king, it's a cult. Run for the hills, all you that are on radio, run for the hills. <laughs> Continuing. Yeah, you gotta watch out for this stuff. There's some weird stuff out there. That's why if it's not in the Bible, don't believe it. This is why with Calvary Chapel, and we believe when we read the Bible, we believe from Genesis to Revelations. If it's not in there, we don't believe in it. You know, if if you know if you change one verse, you have a cult. You know that, right? you, know, you could change one word in the Bible and you have a cult. So you have to be careful that what you're hearing from stage, what you're hearing as pastors teach you, go into your homework, if something doesn't sound right, and read the Bible and see what it says. If it's not in the Bible, it's false. Don't believe it. John chapter 13, verse 6, it says this, continuing, when Jesus came to Simon Peter Peter said to him, Lord, which Lord means, uh, you know, a rabbi, you know, or or Messiah. So it says, um, Peter said, Lord, are you, are you going to wash my feet? Peter's like, yeah, right. You got to be kidding me. You're not going to wash my nasty feet. Peter's probably thinking to himself. You should we should be washing your feet. You're the Messiah. Remember when um, Jesus was with the disciples at Caesarea Philippi? And he says, Who does man say that I am? Now remember, Caesarea Philippi was ra- that. that was a place where the these people used to worship the God of Pan, the, the half um goat with the human body. And there was a place in the side of the rock where they would do a blood sacrifice and they would kill animals and they would offer. For it into this hole that they believe went to hell, and they would offer hum- uh, a body, uh, animal sacrifice to the god of Pan. And then, if it took it, then their their sacrifice was was taken and approved by the, their god of Pan. And if not, then he didn't approve. And in this place, Caesarea Philippi is where they would break out in orgies and all kinds of stuff. And think about this: Jesus took the disciples the Caesarea Philippi. They thought it was the gateway to hell where they would have orgies and all this crazy stuff. And Jesus is there with all these people and looks at the disciples and says, Hey, who does man say I am? And Peter looking around at the God of Penn Temple and all this stuff going on, he looked at Jesus and he, he answered him, he says, you are the Messiah, the, the son of the living God. Remember John the Baptist told Jesus, you need to baptize me. Remember when Jesus was going to get baptized and John's like, no Jesus, You know, I need to, you need to baptize me. I'm not going to baptize you. And Jesus looks at him and says, this is what God requires. So John agreed and he had Duncan Jesus. Jesus is always in submission to the father God, no matter what the circumstances, not his will, but thy will be done. Continuing in John chapter 13, verse seven, Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. No, Peter replied. You will never wash my feet. Jesus, Jesus replied to him. Unless I wash your feet, Pete, you're never going to belong to me. So Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands as well, my head, my whole body. Give me a bubble bath, Lord. Not just my feet. Let's do this. I want to be with you. So Jesus was probably thinking, Relax, Pete. You all, nothing, you all, you all or nothing, guy. He's always like edgy. You know when you read about Peter. He had a strong feisty personality, he was fearless, and he was an outspoken blue collar filthy fisherman. Why was he a filthy fisherman? Because he smelt like fish. He was just a common guy. Do you remember when they're on the Sea of Galilee? And the storms come. And remember, remember, Jesus was like, hey, go across the other side and I'm going to meet you over there. So they go across and this big storm arises and all the disciples are there and they think they're going to die. And there's all these storms. And all of a sudden they see what they thought was a ghost, but it was Jesus walking on water. And all it says all the disciples, all these gnarly fishermen that have that are trained to be on the ocean or the Sea of Galilee. Now they're all terrified. And Peter looks up and goes, Jesus. Is that you? And Jesus is like walking on water. He's like, yeah, Pete, it's me. What's up? I'm just out here chilling, walking on water. And all the other guys are terrified. But Peter, by faith, because he's like a risk taker. He's like, if that's you, tell me to come walking on water to you. Meanwhile, all the other 11 disciples are just like Ooh, scared, right? And he's and Peter's Jesus is like, all right, Pete, come out here walking on water. Come out to me. Let's see what you got. And Peter, by faith, steps out of the boat into a storm. Is he crazy, Peter? Yeah. He steps out of the boat and he starts living the impossible and he starts walking on water. Fearless Pete. You know the story, he gets his eyes off of Jesus in the middle of the storm. Just like when we get our eyes off of Jesus in the middle of the storm, we start to sink. And he started to sink and Jesus reached out and saved him when he said that really short prayer, save me. When he was talking to God, he saved him and took him back to the Pope. So this is crazy Peter's personality. He was gone ho and wild, and he literally pulled a sword out to fight against the people that came to arrest Jesus the night before when he got arrested. Remember, they showed up with, with legions to come up and arrest Jesus? Pete pulls out his knife, whoop, takes off the guy's ear. He's like, what's up? Do you remember that story? Yeah, he cuts the guy. The, it's the priest. The priest's servant's ear off. He's like, boom, the ear falls off. And then Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? You just cut the guy's ear off. imagine everyone's kind of looking at each other. And Jesus is talking to Peter. What are you doing? They're coming to arrest me, and you're cutting the guy's ears off? He's like, Peter, get out of here. Get the guy's ear. And then he healed him. He put the ear back on. He's like, get out of here. Get back, Peter. What's wrong with you? Think about these guys that Jesus is hanging out with. Doesn't it remind you of your friends? doing stupid stuff, saying dumb things. And Jesus is like, guys, guys, I'm the son of God. Like, You don't need to protect me. I can call legions of agents to come down and I can call fire down from heaven. You guys already know that. You called me out to do that already. But instead you can put your little butter knife, your your little pocket knife, cut your ear off. Relax, Peter. So continuing, John chapter 13, verse 10. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over, does not need to wash except for their feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are all clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew the one that would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. He was talking about, he was referring to back in those days, they would have Roman baths when you go to Israel now on tour. They actually have uncovered, uh, these, these Roman baths where they would go and, and sweat out and take baths or whatever, where they, whatever they would do there. And back then they would go to the Roman bath and then they would leave in their robes and go to their house and they would arrive home and they were all clean except for their feet because their feet were dirty and dusty. So they would have to clean their feet, just their feet and then they would be cleaned all over. That's what Jesus is using this illustration here. And he was speaking about Judas the traitor in the gospel. Jesus called Judas the son of perdition and also said to, said the one. Uh, he also said One of you is a devil Was Judas ever saved Or is he just the biggest poser and fraud In the Bible uh, I, I, You know what He probably, he's probably started off good at some point Because he, he had probably the right idea To follow Jesus But you know what Some people They have the right idea to follow Jesus But they never had that true commitment with God They could be going to church here now You know, they could be in ministry, but they never really gave their heart to God. And Judas, you know, he was there. He saw everything happen, the signs, the wonders, the miracles. He heard the best Bible studies ever. But this guy just, he's the son of perdition. Jesus called him the devil. So he was allowed to be in this, but yet he never had the heart for God. Let us never be a Judas. This is scary to be a poser. He knew all the Christianese. He knew the lingo. He knew how to conduct himself in ministry, but yet he was never had a relationship with God. Continuing in John chapter 13, verse 12, it says this after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher or rabbi. It means, and Lord, you're the Lord of my life. And you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. That's my timer. I I give you an example to follow. Do as I have done, and I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you have these things... God will bless you for doing them. So Jesus is now explaining to the disciples the meaning of washing the feet. We need to walk in humility, swallow our pride. The chief must be the servant and everyone is equal. No one is greater than God. Uh, There is no greater than God. This is what ministry is all about. Ministry is where God has you in your day-to-day life. It's right in front of you. Ministry is right when you walk out that door. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go anywhere. Ministry is when you walk out that door, people need to hear about Jesus Christ. The call of God is to serve others to... And point people to a relationship with Jesus. He is the one that we must keep our eyes on as an example to follow. Because he will never let us down. People will let you down. You may get mad at what your pastor says. You may get mad at the Sunday school pastor. You might get mad at a Christians. They might let you down. Guess what? People will let you down. Because we're imperfect in, we're in people. This is why we have to head to the cross daily and ask God to forgive us our sins daily. And we need more of Christ in our life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So Jesus is perfect, 100% man, 100% God. He will never let you down. He might show up at the 11th hour. So he does, right? When you're praying, where are you, Jesus? And the 11th hour, he shows up. He's like, surprise. He's done that before, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, he, but that's a fact. He'll never let you down. I will end with these two verses from what Jesus said to encourage you in red letter. When you see red letter in your Bible, it's Jesus speaking. Jesus says this. <clears throat> I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Verse 17 says, Jesus said, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So do as he has done. He has set the model and God will bless you for doing them. It's that simple. God loves you to death, to death of the cross. This is why he sent his son on a rescue mission, added of me, to die for the sins of the world. He loves you. And guess what? He wants to help you. You know, this is such, I don't really talk Christianese, honestly. Um, you know, there's like, this is like these words within the church. It's like a church language. And, and one of them is like, God wants to bless you. But really, he wants to bless you. It sounds so cliche to say, but literally, God wants to bless you. He loves you. He knows every detail of your life. He's omniscient. He's in the past, the present, and the future. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're at. And he knows where he wants to take you. And it's going to be like a roller coaster ride. That's what life's about. It's a bunch of ups and downs and twists and turns and loops sometimes. Sometimes you go in circles. Sometimes you get on a detour route because you stop following God. And you get off the path that he has for you. Because the word of God is a lamp to his feet. You get off the path, but by his spirit, as you repent and you turn to God, he gets you back on the path. And sometimes those detour routes are a day or 10 years. But God loves you and he will never let you go. And he's going to keep chasing you down. And he wants to have a relationship with you. How do you have a relationship with him? You ask, you say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I'm a sinner. I need you. And then you ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. That is the power of heaven. He will illuminate your mind. He will empower you with the Holy Ghost. And then you read the Bible and the Bible are his words. Some of you said, I've never heard God's voice. Read the Bible out loud. And guess what? When he speaks to you, he doesn't speak in the dialect or the language of King James. Did you know that? Don't be looking out for the King James Version to start talking to you. He speaks to you in your dialect, in your language. You're going to hear him but we need to be in tune to the Holy Spirit and we need to be connected to the power from heaven, the most high God. It's like being connected to the Wi-Fi connection. The Wi-Fi is the most high-fi God and remember that Satan, Lucifer, the liar, the father of lies, you on planet Earth. He wants to connect you to the Li-Fi and he wants to throw those fiery darts into your mind to get you off course with lies but how do you know what a lie is it's when you read the bible because that is what truth is you compare what the bible says to your thoughts and that's how you know what is lies and what is truth and that's how you live the life you were created for and all of you that are on the radio if you want to give your life to jesus christ right now and if you're here in this room and you want to give your life to jesus christ just say this out loud say jesus forgive me of my sins Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you, not my will, but thy will be done as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And if you said that prayer, you've given your life to Christ, get the Bible on your smartphone, it's free download it start reading it if you want a simple language read the new living translation or the niv if you like to read some shakespeare business read the king james version or the new king james whatever floats your boat i like new living translation because i like the common the common language but thank you for having me I love you guys. It's an honor and privilege to be here. I'll be here next month. I'm going to continue teaching uh, through the gospel of John with you guys. And uh, we're going to be heading to the cross as I show up and speak with you guys. So thank you very much. I'll be in the back. I have books. If any of you guys want to get some books, um, they're Discipleship Faith Builder books. Like I said, um, they will grow your faith wherever you're at in your Christian walk. And I love you. And uh, you're here. Awesome. Thank you. been listening to a live teaching from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you can catch the free podcast by searching the iTunes store for the River Christian Fellowship, or give us a call at 800-357-4226. There's also a video of today's teaching available on our website, theriverchristianfellowship.com, and then click the media button. And tune in next week for more from the River Christian Fellowship, live on CSN. is KAWZ Twin Falls The Christian Satellite Network